Terry. So, so today, wisdom in word. And when we think of, I think of wisdom, I think of the application of truth. How that we are able to apply what we know to certain situations. Are we wise enough? Do we have wisdom and insight? You know, common sense is not common. <laughs> and uh, so we find that when we, uh, I was, what were we watching? Some TV uh, show where they were um, Hercules or whatever, you know, they're pulling these things. And, and the guy, you know, is very strong and trying to win this competition. And, and he didn't understand the very basics of momentum. And he was trying to get this, he had broken some record getting to the second level. And then on the second level, he was to take this big heavy object and slam it into this door, you know, and break the door, you know, these big doors, you know, and had uh, a barricade on it. And what he was doing was he was pulling the big object and hitting, and then he was stopping it and trying to start it again instead of just letting it go back and then running with it forward so it would gain momentum, he didn't know enough to let it go back. <laughs> and the very basic laws of physics, I guess, is that you, momentum, <laughs> so that you can get that momentum. And he was stopping the momentum and trying to start it all over again with just, and he was wore out and he couldn't break the door. So couldn't break his next level. And, you know, I was saying, how, how foolish. But, you know, if a person never saw those things and never, a person didn't understand those types of things, he would, uh, wouldn't, how would you know them? And in our lives, I think that um, the word of God comes to us. And, you know, the Bible says that some people, it's like there's a veil over their eyes. They're just, they can't see it. There's a wisdom to God's word that helps us look at life and look at what we're doing from a perspective that gives us insight and gives us the ability to apply divine truths to a particular setting in our life and to a particular problem. And for, for us, it's like common sense. <laughs> for us, it's part of you know, what we understand God to be and who he is and what he does. And so we're learning these things and learning how that things work, you know. Uh, I guess a person who's never worked with objects and worked with things, all they've ever done is work out in the gym and build muscle, didn't know how to operate the common physics of things, you know. Well, in our life, there are very common things that we are to be aware of that speak to us of God's wisdom, and the first part of what we look at here is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, beginning at verse 9. And Paul says to the church of Corinth, he says, We, of course, have plenty of wisdom. <laughs> we, of course, have plenty of wisdom to pass on to you once you get your feet on firm spiritual ground. So the, 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 the abundance of wisdom that comes from God is having our feet on firm spiritual ground. Now, the firm spiritual ground is Jesus Christ, you know, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the triune God, three distinct individuals, yet one, 
Christ, God, man came. He, he was born of, a virgin, born of the Virgin Mary, uh, lived a sinless life. He suffered and died under Pontius Pilate, was crucified and rose again from the dead on the third day. And we have all of these things that the very firm spiritual ground. Then we have, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and uh, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Firm spiritual ground. That, that we are his child and nothing can ever remove us from that place of our, our oneness with God. We're the only ones who can walk away. But God has said nothing. Paul has said nothing can separate us from the love of God. Heights, nor depths, nor principalities, nor powers, things present, things past, things to come, uh, prince, you know, height or depth or demons or whatever. There's nothing that can come in and drive a wedge between God and I. That Jesus Christ is the propitiation. He's the, the one who stood in the gap for, for us between God and man. He bridges the, the gap between God and man that we have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. And all of these things are our firm spiritual foundation. Okay? Now we have, there's a wisdom there is a, uh, the ability to apply the truths of God's word to our everyday life. That, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Wisdom says that whenever I feel alone, I'm not. God is there. Application of truth. Well, we of course have plenty of wisdom. But it's not popular wisdom. It's not fashionable wisdom of the high-priced experts. Well, what, they, what um, uh, Paul is referring to, I believe, here is the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the wisdom that is in Christ, these high-priced experts, uh, Pilate and um, Caiaphas and uh, Herod and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the higher-class people of understanding this wisdom was not popular with them. You know, and we just, um, well, we're mentioning it, that uh, the abortion of this, you know, child that was total, you know, nine months or something, and uh, how it's like the wisdom of God, that, you know, this is life. How can you do this? And, you know, these types of things. And there are people that have a veil over their eyes, like, why? You know, this is just the woman's whatever, Right. And I'm not against the women having rights and things, but um, life is life and killing someone is taking a life. So that's not a popular wisdom. And the wisdom that we have in Christ, God's wisdom is something mysterious that goes deep into the interior of his purpose. You see, God's wisdom is that he, the God's secret wisdom was that he offered his offer of salvation to all people that the offer of salvation is to everyone, that there are no, there's no one in creation, there's no human being, there's no person that God has restricted his salvation from. So it's mysterious. It goes deep into the, into the interior of his purpose. You don't find it lying around on the surface. It's, it's not the latest message, but more like the oldest. What God determined as the way to bring out his best in us long before we ever arrived on the scene. Long before we ever arrived on the scene, God had a purpose in bringing the best in us, best out of us, through his salvation. 
you know, I, I'm always amazed that before the beginning began, God was. That while I was yet in my mother's womb, God formed me and he, he had a plan and he had a purpose for me. So we find that God has all of these things in, in, a, in a plan and he has a purpose and the wisdom of God is, it has come to us to, to help before we ever arrived on the scene, we, God had a plan for us to know Christ and the Christ in us, the hope of glory, the hope of life, would be there to bring about his, his plan and his purpose that we would, his God-ordained um, will for our life. So the experts of our day haven't a clue about this eternal plan. If they had, they wouldn't have killed the master of the God-designed life. Hmm. They wouldn't have killed the master of the God-designed life. The God-designed life is where we find the purpose of God, where we find the wisdom of God. So God has designed you. <laughs> God has designed us with a purpose. Now, if you were an engineer you would, and you designed something, you designed it with a purpose. Uh, Rhonda's, uh, she has lots of engineers in her family, but um, one, his name was Bob, Bob Miller, <laughs> imagine that, Bob, another Bob we have. But um, he, was a, he was an engineer, and he worked on turbo, turbochargers. And he built turbines, turbos, for engines that um, power boats and ships, these bit massive ocean liners and things. He worked on turbines, that he has a number of patents uh, with his name on it that works with turbines. Well... He had a design, when he was designing them, he was able to design into them what they needed to opt for that motor to function properly. And if the motor ever went down, or if the turbine ever went down, they would ship him all around the world. Wherever his turbines were, that's where he would end up. And uh, because he designed it. Well, here we are in our life, the master of the God-designed life. Jesus, the master of the God. Here we have if, you have, a, if you have a flaw in the design, take it up with the guy who made you. <laughs> take it up with the guy who designed you, and it is Jesus. He's the one who designed you. He designed you from the inside out. He designed you with your personality. He designed you with your abilities and your giftings. He designed you. And so if we don't understand the design and what its purpose is, Go to the engineer. <laughs> Go to the guy who created you. While you were yet in your mother's womb, he formed you and he put inside of us all the different things. And so there are many things that make us individuals. But where we find out our purpose is in the one who designed us. And the one who designed us is God. <laughs> so what has... What God has arranged for those who love him. See? So we look at this and we understand that God has a purpose and a design for those who love him. Now, going back to um, what we studied last week, I, I, I just, you know, going over the Lord's Prayer last week and the, from the Message Bible and the King James Bible, you know, the message is, Father, reveal who you are, set the world right. You know, we go on with, 
keep us alive with three square meals, keep us forgiven uh, with you and with and forgiving others, keep us safe from ourselves. Well, in the King in the King James, it's our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Now, that part where it says, set the world right, that has just been one of those phrases that's just been I don't want to say haunting me, but has been a phrase that has been going over and over again, set the world right. Now, when we spoke about the wisdom of God, and we spoke about how that the God-designed wisdom, take it up with the master of the God-designed life. So we look at the master of the God-designed life, and then he's telling us to set the world right. So we, we imagine what would happen if we, this, this um, God who is this master of the God-designed life, if, if he came and he just showed up and said, okay, now, this is the reason you have these little quirks. <laughs> this is the reason you have your differences in your personality than someone else. This is why you have, this is why this is here in order, you know, with a, with a turbine, it, you know, it blasts air into an engine, so that it can produce more power or whatever. So the purpose of that design is to somehow get the, it turns at a very high rate of speed and, you know, and all those types of things. Well, some people run at a faster speed than others. <laughs> you know? Um, and uh, we find that uh, how that God has this master of the God-designed life, and then he tells us in the, in the Lord's Prayer, set the world right. And it's kind of been a, how do we set the world right? Do we tell them off? <laughs> we used to have this guy who would stop in at the hospital every once in a while, and he would decide to set the world right in the waiting room. <laughs> and then they would call me to come and get him out. <laughs> Um, because he was going to set the world right. And, and I, I mean, he was a vehement hellfire and brimstone and everybody was going to hell and they needed to get right with God and whatever. And, you know, years later, the guy, he was in hospice and he was dying. And, and I, 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 rec I remembered him. <laughs> and he was telling me about all of his books and all the things that he had. He never went to church anywhere. He, had, he was his own church. And I asked him, I said, well, how many people ever came to the Lord to know Christ? He says, I don't know if anybody ever did. <laughs> and I almost said, do you think you should have checked your method? <laughs> you know? Do you think you should have checked on, you know, put a little checks and balances about your life? that what you were doing maybe had the right idea, but you were doing it all wrong. And you wouldn't change what you were doing because you wouldn't allow someone to give you instructions. Hmm. So his idea of setting the world right was reading his books and going out and telling the world off. <laughs> and it, it, it never worked. You know, people thought he was crazy. And, you know, maybe somebody thinks I'm crazy. I don't know. But... Uh, <laughs> But the idea is, Jesus then says, you know, okay, set the world right. And then Jesus goes on, to, he says, imagine, this is our sermon last week, 
Imagine the guy who has a friend who shows up in the middle of the night and you don't have any bread for him. You want him to have something to eat. And you go to your neighbor and you knock on the door and say, friend, give me some, na- give me some bread. And the guy says, go away, I'm sleeping. <laughs> My kids are in bed, I'm in bed, and I don't want to give you any bread. Well, then you just keep on knocking and you keep on. And Jesus is using this about us going and praying, okay? He is using this story about how that we are to continue to be faithful in prayer and that if, if, if it doesn't happen right away, he's telling us, don't give up. And then he goes on to talk about knocking and uh, ask and seek and knock and, and, and that type of thing. But can you imagine the, um, the story then of how that Jesus is giving us illustrations? The master of wisdom is Jesus And he's telling us to set the world right. And then in Matthew uh, 25, we have these stories of um, the the, number of stories going on here. And the first one is the uh, story of the virgins, okay? The kingdom of heaven is like ten young virgins who took oil lamps and went out to greet the bridegroom. Five were silly, foolish, thoughtless, careless. And five were smart, far-sighted, practical, and sensible. Now, here we go with the, the stories. Jesus always has a story. Let me tell you a story. <laughs> and what's he trying to do? So here is, here is God who is full of wisdom, the master of wisdom, and he's telling us about what we have from the Father, and then he says, uh, and the, whenever you're praying, remember to pray, set the world right. Thy kingdom come, you know, Thy will be done in earth, in heaven as it is in earth. So in earth and in heaven, there are, you know, in, in heaven there's no resistance to God's will. Okay? So I want you to set the world right. And don't worry about the resistance. Now here I want to tell you a story about ten virgins. Five were smart and five were silly. The silly virgins are foolish, as it's called. The, the silly virgins took lamps with no extra oil. Now, can you imagine? The story is just saying someone forgot to prepare in case it doesn't happen the way you thought it should. <laughs> okay? When life doesn't turn out the way you think it should, perhaps we haven't prepared enough. And so... It doesn't mean that we're cast out because we're not dead yet. What it means is that we need to prepare. Now, here's this, you know, the individual who always preached and no one ever came to know Jesus. He didn't prepare for change. He didn't prepare for changing who he was and changing his message and changing the way that he presented. He was going to keep doing the same thing until it worked. And it never worked his entire life that he knew of. So, so... We often wonder about, you know, this story. The, 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 I, I often wonder about it. Okay, they're all, they're all ten are virgins, and all ten have oil in their lamps, and they're all waiting for the bridegroom to come. Now, uh, you know, if you read it and just kind of look at it and say, well, why would the bridegroom want these ten ladies? You know, what's going on here? Well, what happened, the tradition was the bridegroom would go to the bride's house and they would have a ceremony, and all the guests that were at the bride's house and so on, they would then leave there and go to the groom's house. 
And in the procession going to the groom's house, these others were to join the procession. Okay? And the procession at the groom's house would last for days or a week or more. So it was a time of great celebration in the, in the whole city. So these ten ladies, these ten virgins, they were to wait until the bridegroom comes. And when the bridegroom comes, they were going to join the party and go on to the, to, to, to the groom's house. Now, the long story short is that each one is responsible for their own spiritual growth and development. We cannot come to the end of life and say, you know, you didn't give me enough oil. <laughs> you didn't give me enough of the Holy Spirit in my life. You see, the five foolish ones were the ones who weren't prepared spiritually for the bridegroom's come, for the, for the bridegroom to come when Christ returns. So the commentaries state that this is a, a sign of uh, being prepared spiritually, that we are prepared spiritually, that we are able to handle the difficulties, and when Christ comes, when God shows up, we're ready, and our, our lamps are full, and the five foolish ones, they didn't bring enough oil, and their lamps were out. If you, you know, if you look at the, the old time, they had a wick, on, it's kind of like a gravy dish, a gravy boat, and they had a, had a wick coming out where the gravy, you know, the spout, and then they had oil in there, and it would, the oil would go up the wick and burn at the end of the spout. And what happened was their oil ran out. And they asked, I always thought, that was quite selfish, you know. These five who ran out of oil, they asked the five who did, and they wouldn't give it to them. And I always thought, well, that's not very nice. <laughs> but the idea is, it wasn't that it wasn't very nice. You can't borrow somebody else's spirituality. You can't become spiritual by rubbing shoulders with someone. It's your own spiritual life. So, so that's one of the stories. And Okay, wisdom. Right? You have to take care of your own spiritual life. Then the next story is uh, in Matthew is uh, the story of the talents. Now, the talents is a, is a, and again, what are we doing? We're gaining wisdom through these stories that Jesus tells us, okay? Through the stories that Jesus is telling us. Now, he says, the next one is like a man going off on an extended trip. Now, remember, after the Lord's Prayer, he says, imagine. Okay, so we're learning something about what God is expecting, something about God's character. Imagine what it would be like. <laughs> to go and knock for food at your neighbor's and he doesn't want to give it to you. And then in this story, Matt, talk about these ten who were ten virgins and five were foolish and five were wise because they prepared in case the bridegroom didn't come as expected. When things don't happen as you expect, does your spirituality burn out? <laughs> okay? So here is the talents. Now, we, know, we see in this, it says here, to one he gave 5,000 talents, $5,000, to another 2,000, to the third 1,000. Now here's the key. Depending on their abilities, then he left. And I often, often thought, well, gee, that one guy must be pretty dumb. <laughs> he must be pretty inept. Well, do we ever become overwhelmed with where we're at in life. And the understanding of wisdom is, God has prepared this life for you 
to bring the best out of you to meet the need that you're at. Okay, so God doesn't give you $1,000, and this they're using the idea of dollars. He doesn't give you $1,000 to do a $5,000 uh, uh, project. He gives you $1,000 to do a $1,000 project. And in the process, he wants you to do the, the natural things and it'll gain interest. He gives you 2000 to do a $2,000 project, but in the whole process, you end up with four. Why? Because you have insight and you're not worried about losing everything because you know that God has planned for you to have this place and position in life. So I don't need to be overwhelmed with all the things that are happening. I just need to have the wisdom of God and pray that God, who never leaves me nor forsakes me, that in the middle of the night, in the storms of the sea, he comes with me walking on the water. <laughs> that was Sunday school. So we find then that God comes and he's there and he's given to each of us according to our abilities. He's given to us our talents. Hmm. So we don't need to worry that, you know, <laughs> that we're, what is it? Um, the world calls it, uh, uh, I have a champagne taste and a beer budget. <laughs> I, have a, I have a million dollar, I have a million dollar taste and, uh, you know, the 20,000 budget, you know. We don't have to worry about that, so. Okay, we following me? So, what happens? The master returns. The master returns, and when he returns, the guy who had 5,000, what happens? He has 5,000 more. The guy who has 2,000, what happens to him? He has 2,000 more, he has four. So these individuals were, didn't see their life as that they were responsible for the 5,000. They saw what they had. They saw that what the giftings that they had was for what they were, who they were. And they were able to take what they had and, and, and make it work for them. And the next thing you know, it's, it's doubled. And in the person who took the 1,000, <laughs> and uh, he said, Master, I know you have high standards, and you hate careless ways. You see, he didn't have a clue what his master was like, okay? Um, that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid that I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place, secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. I, I liken this to the people who have a veil over their face about God, and they say, well, there is no God. I'm not responsible for my life. I can do whatever I please. I can do because there is no God. So they take their spirituality and they bury it in selfishness and they bury it in their pride. And that one day when they stand before God, they'll say, whoa, I have heard of you. You're this nasty guy who, who, who just comes and takes things from people and they haven't a clue what God is like. But you see, we have an understanding. We have the wisdom of God in our life. And we find that um, God said in the story, take the thousand and give it to the one who risks the most and get rid of this, play it safe, 
who don't go out on a limb, throw him into utter darkness. Those who would not, at the very least, look at God to discover who he is. <laughs> and then we have in uh, Matthew 25, verse 31, the sheep and the goats. When he finally arrives, blazing beauty, and all his angels with him, and the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne, then the, all the nations will arrange before him, and he will sort the people out, much like a shepherd sorts out the sheep and the goats, putting sheep to his right and goats to his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter you who are blessed of my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundations were here. And why? Well, remember the story of the virgins? Five were ready, prepared. Five were not. Story of the talents. God distributed talents according to their abilities. Remember the story of imagine the person who has a need and they go to the neighbor and knock. They kept on knocking. You see, and here's why I want you to know that I want you to enter into my kingdom and you're the sheep. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. I was hurting and I was forgotten and you knew my name. You see, it doesn't take much to use the talent we have to reach the people who have a need. What goes on in our life, the wisdom of God, is the wisdom of taking what we have to meet the needs of the people around us. And so we're not talking about, you know, the 5,000 talents. Well, are we 5,000 people, 5,000 talent doing a 5,000, you know, uh, $5,000 ministry, or are we 2,000 doing a 2,000? We are who we are. And we cannot say we're something different. This is who we are. And God will use us to be able to meet the need of his hurting people in our surrounding families and community and the people that we reach. And you see, what makes us special? Well, they said, when did we enter when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will say, I'm telling, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, it was me. You did it for me. You see, the wisdom of God that we have it is a wisdom to take care of people who are hurting. And that we find a way that we're able to touch people's lives that's not some, we're not an international ministry, although we do support people that do those things. But we find that we are the people of the talent that we have. And as we use our talents, you know, what was the, what was the amplified version of the, new, of the Lord's Prayer? Set, the, oh, set things right. What are we setting right? Setting things right is feeding the hungry, giving a drink to the thirsty, 
giving a room to a homeless, giving clothes to the shivering, visiting the sick, taking care of the people who are in prison, taking care of the people who are hurting and forgotten. You see, the ministry that we have, the wisdom of God is taking what we have and being able to touch the lives of those around us. So he isn't calling us to be somebody different. He's calling us to be who we are. And he's given us the talent, the talent, in the, in the story it's $2,000, $5,000, whether he's given us $100, whether he's given us $10 million, he's given us what we have so that we recognize we're not overloaded. We're not overloaded. We're not overwhelmed because you have exactly what you need to step up to that level of commitment, that level of taking care of. So you see, and when it's all said and done, we'll stand before God and he'll say to us, well done, you good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So (laughs) it's not about um, making things happen. It's about allowing the Spirit to touch our life with the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, and that he loves us so much that he enables us to love others and help them. Amen? That's what was on my mind. (laughs) About, what was it again? Seek, fix, set the kingdom, set the, set the, why can't I remember it? Set things right. And I I thought of that as, um, Rich, whenever he set the bone, the doctor set the bone in his leg, he broke it, set things right. All he's doing is fixing what was broken and allowing it to heal. Set things right is helping us to fix what is broken. Let's stand. Set things right. (laughs) Father, thank you that you enable us with your wisdom and guidance and your word and your spirit that, Lord, you help us to set things right. Lord, let them be what we see in our families and friends and neighborhoods, even in ourselves, that, God, your spirit will help us. God, you will enable enable us with your spirit and your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Set things right.